Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. The Lord's been speaking to me for a little while now from Matthew 6, I think it's verse 33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So we've come into this kingdom and we're told to seek this kingdom first, but like, what is this kingdom, Right? And so it can be a little bit of a confusing start if you haven't been seeking into that for, for a little bit. So I think what today is is just an intro to start that because I feel like I want to do a whole study for myself personally and what it means to actually seek first the kingdom. This is just an intro to that and I want to unpack that through the litmus test, and I call it, of love. There's many ways that you can view the kingdom of God, but just through the litmus test of love. So I'm sure you all did um, a litmus test in science at school, maybe not all of you, where you take the litmus paper and you dip, dip it into a solution and it comes out and it's either red or it's blue and it tells you how acidic or how alkaline a solution is, right? And so if today you had to do a Holy Spirit or like a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, litmus test, at the very core of who you are, in your marriage, in your interaction with your kids, is it bearing fruit and connection or is, it, is there control? Or how you approach your work, is it from a place of fear and I need stuff or is it from a place of, uh, of real meaningful work? Or how about even your, your finances when you, when you check there, is it from a place of generosity or is it from a place of, of um, fear and stinginess and, and, and holding back? And possibly even like hoarding. But I think that the point of it, just looking at my life and saying, what is manifesting overall? Is it the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it patience? Is it goodness? Is it faithfulness? Is it self-control? Those are all fruits of having been with the Holy Spirit, right? Or is it fear? Sadness, impatience, maybe anger, harshness with my kids, stinginess. What is actually manifesting in my life? And is it maybe even in your life it could be manifesting in a way that's a, a little bit driven or disconnected? You just feel a little bit disconnected. So what are we seeking first? What is the, what is the emphasis of my life? What is the very first thing that's on my mind? Or maybe to put it another way, what is has my heart's affection. What are the things that I love? You know, there's that uh, scripture in Matthew 6 from the message that says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you, where you will most want to be and end up being. Where your treasure is, your heart is as well. And so, if you haven't been looking at some of these things, you might have to dig really deep to try and realize, like, where actually am I at, right? Because it's very easy to go through life on autopilot, just going through the motions. But sometimes we need to take stock and we need to stop and we need to evaluate where you're at. What is the thing that has my greatest affection? And if you don't know that, I could ask your kids. Jen, you could just ask Asher. <laughs> because kids give you, they see and they watch and they give you a very straight, honest answer 
as to where you're at. They know where you're at. And um, I love that Lego example that Kirsty gave. She preached about two weeks ago. For those of you that weren't here, she, um, she had uh, black Lego and red Lego. And she said, if I had to give you a, a task now, and we had to spread black Lego and red Lego all over this room, and we had to say, okay, go and gather black and yellow pieces, but the black ones are more important than the, yellow, uh, the red ones. Sorry, not yellow, the red. Gather as many as you can of both colors, but the black are more important. And you all went out and you spent all this time gathering and you finally brought back your, um, your collection. And then she said, well, actually, sorry, I, I'm sorry, I actually made a mistake. It's not the black ones that are most important, it's the red ones. You know, and that's how it is sometimes in life, right? We're chasing after all of these things that we are seemingly the most important thing. But then we get to the end and we realize, oh, actually, no, it wasn't. The red ones were. And obviously in that situation, the red ones represent uh, love. That's what's left standing at the end of the day of what's most important, right? And so these, that brings up the same questions as that I was speaking about. What is most important in my life and what am I focusing on the most? And we, had, we have, not staying tonight, but we had Johnny staying with us last week. And you heard about that plane that went down over Ethiopia. Johnny got news while she was staying with us here that her friend's husband was on that plane, right? Young, I'm assuming they're like in their 30s, 20s. 31. And his wife is expecting a baby in May, right? So it's these moments that where you're faced with like, you're faced with these things where you need to make realities of life are right there, you know? And his, his brother, two brothers in the family, he was also on that same plane. So now that family have no family and they're going to have this grandchild that they bring up without a dad. And so... That was about Wednesday or so, I think, last week. And then on Friday, we um, remembered the anniversary of when my dad passed away, which was 13 years ago on Friday. And so just faced with those kinds of things, when you, you think about the important things in life, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind was like, oh, he would have so loved Jude, you know, for him to be at a moment like today. He was just a lover, you know, he just... You know, he didn't know how to say it out loud, you know, but he would show you and he would hug you and he would think he was a lover, you know, and he would have really loved you. And in those moments, you remember what's most important, right? And so <clears throat> I think it's these, these moments when we take stock, when things come into real focus. Kirsty also used that analogy of the binox. You know, sometimes things are quite blurry in life. It's a blur. And then suddenly, like binoculars, you suddenly get oh, focus and there's clarity. And that's what these moments do. I think you've seen it in movies as well often where somebody's, somebody's just about having a plane crash or something and their whole life, you know what I mean, starts flashing before their eyes. And it's almost like in those moments, as humans, we've got this super, um, what's the word, like a, a superhuman ability to almost be able to focus and narrow down in those moments, actually, what is truly key, you know, such clarity, and everything in life gets distilled down to its essence. And what is that essence? Our love for others, and our love for our maker, or I'm going to be meeting my maker. 
That's why you hear often people that have like religion and God and all of that get to the end of their time and then suddenly you hear stories and then they don't maybe pass away, but they've met the Lord in that moment because suddenly there's clarity and this is what matters in life. And so tragedy and death has that ability to help us focus. And then other moments here and there where from the blur and the, the days of what's going, around, going on around us, we focus on what, what's most important. Um, can I give you an embarrassing example? About three years ago, I got this Apple Watch for free. <laughs> Those that are laughing the loudest know what that means. It's not for free. You have to work for that thing to pay, pay it off. <laughs> but how that manifests and how we focus our lives on such ridiculous things sometimes, and we justify it, right? So that would manifest in me like three years ago, like, you know, my, my Madison saying, Dad, like, please can we go for a walk? It's been a wonderful thing that I do with her. We go for a walk. But like, that's my exercise day. And I'm not going to get my heart rate up by walking. And so now you're making these stupid decisions as to why. And you, you need to say, okay, well, maybe later, hey, Matt, because I must just run first, you know. And that's, that's ridiculous. Um, choosing to get my heart rate up or walk with my beautiful daughter. And people are often asked on their deathbed, like, what do you wish you had done more of, you know? And it's never, I wish I worked more. I wish I bought that BMW. It's never like, oh, I wish I'd watched season five of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know? <laughs> it's never those things that actually pop up in those moments. And so we have this amazing ability. We know what's important at times, but then we've got this amazing ability to get distracted. I'm sure you've seen one of those cartoons or a skit on that, you know, where it's like, I don't have a short attention span. I've just, oh, look, a squirrel, you know? <laughs> have you seen some of those cartoons? Oh, look, a squirrel. We have that tendency to get distracted so easily or dulled to what's most important. And so what is most important? What voices are you listening to that is telling you what's most important? Because if you're not careful, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be focusing your whole life around paying for a stupid watch. And that's not cool. Things are better now. <laughs> you laugh? Eh? <laughs> Do you laugh at me and my watch example? But what things have popped up in your week this last week? What has found dominance in your thought life? What has been the most dominant, loudest front stage thing that's been popping up because I'm tempted to go and ask your kids to come down and you can hear. <laughs> There's that um, verse in Timothy that says, uh, for athletic training or exercise only benefits you for a short season, but righteousness brings lasting benefit in everything. For righteousness contains the promise of life for time and eternity. And I like exercise, so, but that only brings benefit for a short time, right? And I think in that same scripture, we could substitute a whole bunch of other things um, than athletic training, put that into, you know, substitute into that, that line. 
that are good. There's nothing wrong with them. These are good things, but they only benefit us for a short season. And so, friends, we can build our lives around the craziest of things. I know many people who sacrificed everything. I mean, everything. And you see it often in American movies as well, what you get exposed to. The job is the ultimate. It trumps why you couldn't make it to this engagement or that family engagement. I haven't seen your family for, for years. It trumps everything. And, so, and then one day, just like that, after all the sacrifice of what you've been giving to your, to your job, you get retrenched, just like that. And the world falls apart because everything that you've placed value or they've placed value on suddenly comes to nothing. And we're not called to do that. We're called to build and invest into things that have eternal significance, that will continue for time and eternity. And so I love that Lego example that Kirsty does because it, it, it illustrates the point so carefully. Who is the game master? Who sets the rules? Who's telling you these are more important than these ones? Is it Apple or BMW or your boss or your family or friends? Who's actually telling you what's most important? Or is it Jesus? Romans 12 says, here's what I want you to do. It's from the message. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't, and here's the clincher, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It says they don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And friends, I'm saying today it's time to start thinking. We should not wait for a 737 to go down or for a family member to get sick or tragedy to strike before we start to focus and adjust our perspectives on life. And so I just wanted to give you a, a visual illustration because I feel I like illustrations and I feel that they help sometimes. So I'm bringing out a Lego man again. Um, there's that, that verse in John 17 where Jesus is praying for us and it says that we are of this world but we are not part of it. It says, he says when he's praying to the Father, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Okay, so I wanted to just bring across three points here. One, we are not of this world, but we are in it. Okay. Two, the word says in, in Philippians 3 verse 20 that our citizenship is in heaven. This is heaven for now. And three, that everything within this sphere has been redeemed in, under Jesus. Okay, I just as three ground rules to help make this clear. Colossians 1 verse 15, it's actually from, there's certain excerpts that I've pulled from Colossians that I'm going to read here. It 
says, For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth, the seen and the unseen. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. And by the blood of his cross, everything on heaven and on earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. And so everything here is redeemed under Jesus, right? And we know that Jesus says that we are not of this world, but we are of another world, but we are meant to bring the kingdom of heaven down into this world. And we read in Ephesians that the Father has got good plans and purposes and good works for us to achieve in this world, right? But we get distracted and we do all sorts of weird things and um, lose attention of what, folk, what, is, what is most important. And so I wanted to give a, a simple illustration on this topic just to try and because it can be so confusing. Like, what is it? Like, seeking first the kingdom, it's all this blur, right? So I wanted to just give some, some illustration with these three colored Lego pieces. So the black ones here, I'm making an obvious one, are the, the obvious sin things that we do not want to have part of, that we are working through, and that obviously, that's bad. We don't want to have anything to do with, with obvious sin things. I don't think that's a big issue here, because you know, like, okay, it's easily identifiable. Okay, but then these yellow pieces that I've got here represent all those redeemed things, those good works and the, every eating, sleeping, going about our work life, all of the good things that we get to participate in, okay, which some high in the church often think that's an evil, some of those things are evil. They're not evil. Nothing is meant to not be, this is all redeemed stuff that the Lord wants us to partake in, Right? It's just that some have more significance than other things eternally, right? So these are all the everyday going about things, our, our work, our ministry, our work, etc. But it's how we go about doing these things that is important. That's where the clincher is. Because sometimes we abstain from doing lots of these things. But it's how we go about doing these things that is the most important. Um, Colossians 3.23 says, put your heart and soul into every activity that you do, though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. So that's the clincher, okay? These, I'm saying, represent love, okay? And those are the clincher. This is the real big deal. This is what's left after all is said and done, like we've used in the examples before, what is going to stand into time and eternity, it's these things here. And so <clears throat> that is our, our love for each other and our love for our maker, for the Father. And the big deal here is that love validates everything that we do here. Okay? It validates or disqualifies all of these things here. Okay? Think about that. All of your good works can be either a waste of time or they can be validated when you do them through the love of Jesus and for him. That's why, um, I'll get into it now, where um, Paul writes the famous 1 Corinthians 13 on love. It's all nonsense. 
all the most important things that you thought you did in your life unless it is validated by Jesus, by love, who is a person. And so love is the lens. Not teddy bear, candy floss love. No, powerful love. Self-sacrificing love. Because love is courageous. It's selfless. It's a person. And so the simplicity of this example is that you can pretty much go about all of your eating, working, all of your normal daily activities and either do them in isolation or do them justified and qualified and made important by doing it through the right lens. And I know Papa's, it's not a German flag I'm making out here, Dad. So I wanted to read, I wanted to read 1 Corinthians 13 if you are open. And just close your eyes for a moment, or don't, so it's not, you don't have to, but just think about these words. This is Paul writing. If I were to speak in the eloquence in earth, earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy, with the profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I have never learned to love, then I am nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to the feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient, Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's own achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke childish, about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries, though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. One day we will all see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. 
So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Isn't it an amazing scripture? So what does my life look like today through that love filter? Okay, so just practically, when I make coffee for Kirsty every morning, when I go and buy groceries um, or make dinner for the family, when I pay for Mila's ballet lessons or whether I pay my tires, when I put Jude to bed at night or give Madison or Mila or Jude a back drawing at night, or when I put our chairs on a Sunday here, or prepare words for overhead, what all of these things, or when I go for my weekly sales meeting or management meeting, through all of that, what is my filter? How do I actually go about doing these things? Do I go about it with, with intentionality in my heart and with love? Or is there a functionality or routine about them? Because they can often be, right? Or even a sigh. And so I think there's three ways that we can actually respond to moments like that. We can, one, we can be on autopilot robotic mode as we do these with no thought of attention or affection. Or we can begrudgingly do them, which I've sometimes, Maddie will know, so I'm saying they keep you honest here, is like, can I have a back drawing, Daddy, please? I'm like, oh, not today, I'm, so, you know, I'm tired. Or, so doing it in a begrudging way, or, or autopilot was the first one. Or do I choose to do it with love? You know, when, when I wake up, do you see what I'm saying? You can have this autopilot robotic begrudging way or you can do it through love and it changes everything. I can wake Kirsty up in the morning with coffee and say gently, wakey, wakey, and I can soak in that first waking moment of the, <laughs> of the day. Why are you laughing? Yeah? But I can soak up the glory of that moment with her, the beginning of the day, and we can just connect. Or it could be autopilot, you know, or, or going to bed at, at night. You know, I can go and give Madison a back drawing and realize and, and just soak in that thing that my 15-year-old daughter wants to connect with me. How beautiful, you know. And guys, the crazy thing here is that I realize, like, these moments go so quickly. I've probably got about three years before she's off to university. And the way she's talking, it's like either in America or Germany, it's not close by um, because, yeah, she's got big dreams. But the one thing I know at that time is that I'm not going to, I'm going to long for those morning walks that we take together now where my daughter wants to connect with me, where she's inviting me into, into spaces and of time and connection. There's no ways I'm going to be thinking at that time, gee, I really wish I had chosen that run over the walk, you know, because I'm getting a little bit more exercise. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's crazy. And so how about our times with Jesus? Are, our, are you getting your love tank filled by him? Because I know for me that when I'm squeezed and I haven't been with the Father, and the family will attest to this, I'm not, I'm what squeezed, what comes out in those moments. It's irritation, it's shortness, it's maybe just being a bit abrupt. But when I've heard love and affirmation from my Father, when He says, Robert Ernest, I love you, and I hear those words, 
and my chest is exploding and, my, and I feel wholeness. And I go into the day, that's what I do before going up and taking Kirsty her coffee. You know, from those moments, what gets squeezed once I've been with him is all of the good stuff. You know, and so the question is just like, how is our times with Jesus? Are we getting our love tanks filled up by him every day? Because friends, everything, I mean everything, finds its proper place in Jesus. If you're trying to go it alone and only bring some things to him, things don't work out together. They work out so well. It's not just our spiritual life. It's every single part of our lives that we get to bring for him, and he puts them in their proper place. Because he is love, and love holds things, all, all things together. He is a person, right? And so I wanted to just finish by reading one, one scripture to you from Colossians. And it's, it's about, it's, it's entitled, Christ Holds It All Together. But because Christ is love, Jesus is love, I wanted to just take this opportunity to substitute every time it mentions Jesus or Christ and actually insert that word love there just to bring this home. Again, if you're keen, maybe just close your eyes and just let this sink in. Anton Rowe, you want to... Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.